Welcome to Israel Mosaic, Land People's Story. I'm coming to you from the home of Yosef and Gabriella Danieli. Today I'm going to interview Gabriella Danieli. On the last two podcasts, I interviewed her husband, Yosef. Gabriella is a skilled potter and an accomplished musician. She plays the harp, guitar, and piano. The music you are listening to on this podcast are the sounds of Gabriella playing on the harp. Gabriella, thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. Where are your parents from, and where did you grow up? I grew up in Switzerland, and both of my parents were Swiss. My grandfather, Italian, kind of a mix. Did you have a lot of siblings in your family? And I asked this in Yosef's interview. He was the last in his family. What number were you in your family? And can you describe to the audience what it was like in your family? I had only a brother. My brother actually went to a boarding school when he was 13 because he had an accident prior to that. He had a terrible accident. He was completely um, paralyzed. But praise God, he came back to himself against all odds. He had another accident one month before we got married. He was actually dead for four and a half hours and came back to life. He's in the Guinness Book in 84 as the man who was dead the longest and came back. Absolute miracle. Was he your older brother? And describe your relationship with him growing up. Yes, he was my older brother. When we were children, of course, we fought a lot and played a lot. And, but then he was gone. When I was 11, I hardly saw him anymore, and I became like an only child. What made you decide to come to Israel from Switzerland? That was a big move. And can you describe the decisions that led up to that? And what was it like for you once you came from Switzerland into a new land in Israel? Yes. I was always searching for the purpose of life, even as a little girl already. I wanted to know why I'm here, where I'm going to, and where I'm coming from. I didn't enjoy school very much. I think only my body showed up in school for all the years. My mind was somewhere else. (laughs) And so I learned a profession which is really not who I am. I'm an artist with every every vein in my soul, completely right-brained, but I became a secretary and I learned business, which I never got till today. I'm just not a businesswoman. So when I was about 18, I told my parents, I will leave my job because I cannot buy anything that will satisfy my hunger for love, truth, harmony, peace. And my parents, being real Swiss, told me only people who don't work hard enough, has just stupid ideas. If you leave your job, you cannot live at home anymore. Okay, I thought, no problem. Took my tent and moved to the forest. Okay, with my boyfriend. 
but it was Switzerland. The winter came, so I had to go south. And this time in the forest actually was very meaningful because I had time to think, I had time to read books, and I searched in every kind of religion. I read Zen books, Buddhism books, Christian books, Jewish books, and I found everywhere a little bit truth, but I, my heart was never changed. The hunger in my heart wasn't satisfied. And um, so when the winter came, I decided to go to India to find a guru. Because back then I believed that all the religions worshipped the same God and that there are many ways to roam. But first I thought to myself, I will go to Israel to walk in the footsteps of Jesus, Yeshua. And uh, I always had a love for him, but I thought he's only for nuns and priests. And I pretty much blew it back then. I was actually quite a mess. I was in drugs and uh, very confused and very much hurting to see to what a world I was waking up from my childhood, which was actually so protected and beautiful, from the fairy tale story, seeing the reality of this life. So uh, I decided to go to Israel, to a kibbutz, and go after, maybe I will find somebody to come with me to India. So I came to Israel. Every day I tried to pray, to meditate, to cry out to this higher power. I went to the cemetery in the kibbutz where it was quiet. And, uh, and uh, then I went to the Sinai Desert, which was a part of Israel till 81. This was in 79. And uh, I decided to live from the garbage can of the army <laughs> and from fishing. Now here I must say, I grew up in a quite wealthy home back then. And, uh, but I knew that Things cannot satisfy my soul. I couldn't buy anything that will satisfy my hunger for truth. So I was there in the Sinai, still crying out to know God, to know this higher power, living from fishing and the garbage can of the army. And uh, one day when I was in Dahab, another Bedouin, um, camp in the Sinai desert, I met two guys who spoke about God. I walked by them and it was as if a higher power put me down in the sand where they were sitting and they invited me actually to a Bible study in a Bedouin shack with candlelight. And you know, I read the Bible so many, tried to read the Bible several times and I always fell asleep at the genealogies. <laughs> But this time, something happened to me. It was as if God's word became alive. And it was as if his light was shining on me. And I felt so convicted. I couldn't stop crying for half an hour. And these were my tears of repentance. I never heard of sinner prayer. I never heard of altar calls. But God got a hold of me in this very personal way, because I was never the same from that point on. I know that God has touched my life in a very special way, and I had peace with him. My heart 
the hunger for my heart was satisfied from that point on. Gabriella, you mentioned that you came from a wealthy family, an aristocratic Swiss family, and you left your life of wealth to seek another life. The question I have to ask you is, was that extremely difficult to leave that wealth and security and pursue another life? And what did your parents think of you leaving the security of home and wealth and riches? I must say that my hunger for truth and purpose was so much bigger than my desire to owe anything. Actually, things didn't give me security. I know I needed to know my maker and I needed purpose in this life. I married Yosef in 84 and he was actually exactly growing up the opposite of me. He came from a very poor family. Uh, you can listen to his interview. His parents immigrated from Persian. They were living in a tent in the beginning. They were living in tin houses. Uh, <laughs> they were stacking mattresses for their nine kids and hand them out in the evening. So I moved actually from a beautiful place in Switzerland with Lakeview to a shack of 26 square meters in the worst neighborhood <laughs> in the center of Israel. In the beginning, I didn't mind, but I must say it was very tough as we were struggling through our differences as a couple and our relationship, especially in the first 15 years. Now, my parents really weren't happy when I brought Yosef from Israel. First of all, because he took me to a different country. Second of all, the motto in our house was always, if you have nothing, you are nothing. <laughs> and I never really could relate to that because I always thought, what about character? If you have character, then you are somebody. Also in the eyes of the maker, money, you cannot take it with you. It's an illusion. It gives you maybe comfort in this life. But very soon, we will be all equal. So I was looking for a different kind of worth system in my life. So, of course, my parents were pretty upset when I moved to Israel, which in their eyes, everything was worse. The economical situation, war, and uh, they couldn't understand why I would marry this poor man and move here. You and Yosef are a multicultural family. My parents are a multicultural family. My dad is from Jamaica. My mom is from the United States. Of course, she's a Brooklyn Jewish woman from Eastern European descent. They faced challenges in America. Did you as a couple face that from within your family and from without, and how did you deal with that in your life? Well, as I just said, my parents were very unhappy that I married Yosef, but mainly because he didn't have money. Now, Yosef's family were unhappy because I'm not from a Jewish background. So that was really a big deal 
I never met his parents because they passed away very early, but his sisters and his brother were not very delighted when he brought me along because I wasn't Jewish. And also in our village, I was the only famous Gentile woman, which back then in Israel was a big deal. Understandable, since the Jewish people have been persecuted by so-called Christians for 2,000 years. So at this point, I wasn't willing to convert, so they couldn't understand that. Gabriella, when you first met Yosef Rachamim Danieli, what was it like? Can you describe that? Well, when I first met Yosef, he was 21 years old. He was in his last year of the army service. And there was an instant click. I can say yes, it was love on first sight. Of course, he looked so different than any European guy. (laughs) Pitch black hair, dark skin, reminded me kind of Moses, (laughs) Moses or or on Yeshua. But uh, we were like magnets, I can say. And uh, we met again in Dahab, in the Sinai Desert, and we really hit it off together. And we started a relationship together, but I must say, as closer we got together, as more I lost my peace with God because uh, he wasn't a believer. And uh, I know if I'm going to live with a man who doesn't have the same basis in life, my life will be a disaster again. And my relationship with God was so important. I couldn't afford to lose this peace again I had by giving my life to him. So I had to make a decision, actually, between God and between Yosef. And I just couldn't finish that relationship. So I prayed, Lord, help me to be willing to be made willing. (laughs) And uh, God gave me a way out. I was accepted to go to a Bible school in England for half a year. Many people applied. I was one of the few which were accepted, so I knew I better go. My faith in God grew stronger in the Bible school, and I never forget that one Bible school teacher told me once, never pray for something you might have to live with all your life. So that gave me to think. However, I prayed for Yosef every day that he will know his Messiah. I didn't pray that we will be back together again, although every time I heard the word Israel was like a knife in my heart. I never loved somebody like I loved him. So I prayed for him to know the Messiah. And we didn't see each other for two years. He tried to contact me several times, but at that time I didn't trust myself anymore. I was afraid I would blow it again. So, two years later, God made it very clear, it's time for me to go back to Israel because that's where my heart was all the time. So I prayed, Lord, help me. I don't trust myself. Help me not to meet him again. But then I met a messianic sister in the Lord who told me, I know Rami. I know Yosef. He told me all about you. I said, wow, that's interesting. She told me, he came to know the Messiah. I said, what? 
if this is the case, we can meet again. So we met up again. And we started dating the right way. And to make a long story short, one year later, we got married. And it sounds all so nice and romantic. But guys, it was rough. <laughs> it was rough to marry into such a different culture, uh, to start everyday life and uh, pregnant in the honeymoon, living in a complete different culture, working out uh, personal issues. I didn't choose the easy way, I can tell you. But the easy way is not always the best. So I'm very grateful that we are married now 37 years and are still best friends. It's a miracle. And I can tell you, without God, we wouldn't have made it a month. <laughs> Gabriela, you and Yosef are a team, a very powerful team, and have been a team for a long time. Can you just describe what that means to the audience, just daily life, having people here in your home? What does team look like? I must say we have a completely different personality. Many years ago, we took a personality test and a Myers-Briggs test, and the people told us, how in the world can you live under one roof together? <laughs> so... Uh, we learned, we learned to accept each other with our difficulties and actually to complete each other. I mean, Yosef, he is a thinker. He is very deep, very sensitive, and he has actually some logic, not like me. <laughs> I'm all emotion. And uh, so we learned to cope with our differences, actually accept our differences, love each other with our differences. And I think once you overcome um, the obstacles to try to change one another, one can make a beautiful team. So he usually, when we minister together, he's the, the one who speaks. I don't very much like to speak in public. And I love to do the music or both of us I think we have a gift of hospitality we love people and uh, we love the Lord Gabriella thank you so much for coming on the show today and sharing with us about the challenges of cross-cultural relationships the many obstacles you and Yosef overcame and the life lessons you both went through that I'm sure will leave a lasting impression on the listening audience. Thank you so much for having me. Join me next time on Israel Mosaic, Land People's Story, when I continue my interview with Gabriella Danielli. In part two, Gabriella will be sharing more about her own story, the different mediums of art that she creates with, and her love for the land of Israel. See you next time.